Hi guys, we're back with another episode of the Rugby Collective Podcast, obviously as always with Will. We've got an exciting round of the uh, Six Nations to talk about, and then obviously a bit of a preview into next week's Prem, which is very exciting that we're back, um, especially on the week off of the Six Nations. Will, did you watch the Six Nations? Did you enjoy the Six Nations? Are you happy England won? Yes, yes, and yes. I think uh, I watched all of the games. Well, I don't think I watched all the games. I did watch all of the games. Um, lazy bastard. I did. I did. You said I did watch all. Oh, lazy because I was sat watching. Got you. Yeah, yes. Um, I'm playing this weekend. It's all good. I'm making up for it. M- making up for it. Um, no, I, I haven't played in weeks. It's fine. Um, <laughs> yeah, you can't. It's one of the first times since we've done it where you can't. Uh, you can't give me any grief because you're also not playing at the moment. So. So yeah, take that. Um, yeah, did enjoy all the games. Um, some pretty good rugby on show. A couple of disappointing performances. Not naming any names. <laughs> Wales. Um, uh-huh. sorry, sorry. But, um, it came out. It fell out. I can't. <laughs> we'll go into that one a little bit deeper shortly. Um, <laughs> oh, no, I don't want to go deeper into the Welsh. No, thank you. All together. Um, <laughs> sorry, Welsh. Rugby. You are. Yeah. We, we need to check our audience. We've got a big Singaporean audience. Don't know how big we are in Wales. Well, so, it just counts as UK. Yeah, so we don't we can't break that down. So And shout out to the Norwegians. I think there's some Norwegians as well. Hello, yeah. Norway. I feel British. like I'm a Eurovision. Hello, British. Norway. Can you hear us? What is it? British, USA, Singapore, and Norway. Yes. Hey, did we discuss this on the pod? I think we might have. I think they we did, yeah. Great rugby team. Um, um, yeah, good weekend of rugby injury. And is it bad that I'm very excited for the Prem to be back? With not at all. Because you've got, rugby. obviously, a connection to the international rugby. Um, but uh, your team rugby is, is something a bit more close to home. Obviously, you're more likely to go. And I know, obviously, you're going this weekend. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's closer to home. And also... The weekend was a little bit backwards. It almost started with the main event and kind of tailed off. Um, and especially how the Italy England match, like it was almost done at halftime. So like it kind of really <laughs> the best game was the first game, and then yeah, it just kind of tailed away. Agreed. It was yeah. It it did feel like every game was a slight anticlimax onwards from that Ireland France game. I think basically that Ireland France game just set the bar too high. Yeah, they're just unbelievable teams um before we go fully into uh the six nations obviously there's news because we love the news over here we like to keep you updated with all the comings and goings um and talking of the first one uh andrew davidson has left gloucester on a uh immediate deal to go to ealing um not major news really was struggling for game time at gloucester but I guess uh, a bit more interesting is the fact he's gone on an immediate deal. Um, yeah, so I I heard through the grapevine that Ealing were predicting that their appeal to go up to the Premiership was going to be successful. And providing they won the league, they were going to go up to the Premiership at the end of this season. Um, so apparently they were targeting a lot of deals for short-term deals to ensure that happens this season. So the likes of Andrew Davidson, uh, Nathan Earl's gone previously, sort of along with an, a load of others, a lot of others linked as well. Um, but now it's come out that they're not um, 
they're not eligible to go up to the Premiership with their stadium. Um, that they're, I wonder what they do now. I wonder if they still go for these signings or not. It's a bit of a different one. From a Davidson perspective, individually, I thought he went pretty well for Gloucester last season. Haven't seen him feature too much this year, but I think he's a pretty big guy, pretty classy lineup operator. If you want a player to, to sort of command a set piece around, especially at championship level, I think Andrew Davidson is is your man because I think he's going to fit that bill just lovely for um for uh, Eden. Yeah, um, I feel it's it's a, it's a slightly weird one mid season. Gloucester don't have the biggest squad depth. He'd shown in the past he was a very serviceable player, still only mid twenties, so still could have been a, a good good servant for the club for some years. But obviously they they thought he was surplus to requirements and moved him on. Hold, moved him on. Um, rather I wonder, new... I wonder oh, if Gloucester will try and bring someone else in because I think you look at you look at their depth. Who have you got? You've got Freddie Clark, Alamano, is is your senior boys. Alex Craig has been in and out of injuries this season as well. Don't know what his status is. Did he not he break his wrist there. recently or injure himself recently? Yeah, I think he did. Yeah, he did. He, he, yeah, I think he's out for a while still. Um, then you've got uh, um, Cam Jordan is coming in, looking pretty good. Uh, first proper senior season, I'd say, with, with Gloucester. Arthur Clark, who looked very promising, is injured as well. And then then you're sort of into your, your proper academy then, aren't you? So it's a bit of a... It's, it's a weird yeah. time to be getting rid of a second row, I think, for, for Gloucester. Yeah, if you lose one, um, you are really starting to struggle. Um, or lose another, should I say. Uh, another, well, it's, it's not a move um, as such, but uh, Fekitoa, after a year at Munster, has it's been confirmed he is leaving Munster. Um, now, I'm sure there'll be lots of suitors for him, because obviously he's a brilliant player. Uh, I'd imagine it'll probably be in France uh, he'll end up, or maybe sure. back back um, Southern Hemisphere. But he certainly uh, thinks so. on his days he's a fantastic player. Any thoughts on that? I think he's I think he's a great player. I think it just uh, I think certainly for Wasps. I'm not going to lie to you and say I've watched him loads for uh, for months of this season, but. Um, I mean, he's he's a great player. He obviously hits very hard, runs hard, got a very good skill set. Discipline let him down a few times at Wasps, especially with the changing of the the tackle heights and all of that sort of stuff. Um, but on his day, he's fantastic. So I think he's certainly better in the thirteen channel than he is at twelve, in my opinion. Um, but I suppose that fits the sort of game plan of what club that he's going to. But yeah, I, I don't think he'll be shy of people wanting to uh, wanting his signature. So yeah, watch this space, I guess. Yeah, um, yeah, definitely a good, great player on his day, uh, and then not really much else in the sort of, in in sort of oh oh the other one, uh, Dave Ribbons, um, looks like he will be leaving Northampton, but well, that's pretty much confirmed, and it looks like he'll be going to Toulon, which I think is interesting on a couple of counts. Um, obviously, big player for Northampton, um, but has also started to make his uh, impact on the international scene, uh, recently. And so, obviously, going to France, he won't be able to play for England next year. And he's still only 27, it's worth noting. So, um, yeah, I can't lie. If I was a Saints fan, I'd be absolutely good. Yeah. But also, I think on an England scale, it shows it's another player. I think Harry Williams was also conf- or not confirmed, but it looks like he's going to Montpellier. So, you look at look, quite a few extra players with the Simmons, um, Noel looking like he's going, uh, Luke Howe and Dickey. There's a lot of players now deciding actually. 
they're, they're all mid twenties, mid to late twenties. They're not in their mid, like early thirties, late mid thirties when they're going to France. And a lot of these players are going over. And I think that is a, a because of the salary cap, I'd imagine. Um, but it's interesting to see England won't be able to call up on call on these players anymore. Yeah, it's certainly a sad sign of the times, isn't it? And I wonder how um how the RFU are going to adapt to this sort of situation coming in. And um, well, I guess in in a way they can't really say, "Oh, we'll just play them," because then what would that do to the English Prem? Because every player would then go to France. Because why wouldn't you to get more money? Yep, it's a, uh, it's yeah, it, it's, it's it's a tough one to navigate, isn't it? At the moment, I think. As long as this salary cap sits at five million or, or whatever it is at the moment, then um, I, I can't see that getting better. No. Anyway, on to more cheering news. Um, sort of, sort of. Um, we had the news. I don't know when we spoke about this on the last podcast, but we obviously had the news about Worcester becoming six ways or something like that, which may or may not happen. Um, but they are confirmed that they're not in the championship next year. Uh, but that's the cherry news. No, <laughs> sorry, listen, but I was getting on to wasps, <laughs> and wasps have been confirmed that they will be competing in the championship next year. The RFU have confirmed that wasps will be in the championship next year, which is very, very good news. Obviously, wasps, big historic club. Um, so yeah, great to see that they are remaining in place. I don't know if yeah. you've got anything really to say on either wasps or Worcester or slash six ways, but well, I'll I'll start with the negative first and. There is a whole heap of this stuff around. If you if you check out our Twitter page, we're sort of sharing as much news that's coming out on this. I know um, Felicity Kvezic is is covering it a lot, um, and I know that uh, Marcello um, is covering it a lot as well. All of their stuff will be retweeted on our page, so go ahead and uh, and check that stuff out because those are the the people that are really in the know. But essentially, if you, if you don't know. A basic overview is um, Jim O'Toole and James Sanford have, have come in and, and bought the club. Um, they're essentially disbanding the club and trying to team up with Stourbridge. Is that right? And they're yeah, going to be bringing forward a six ways rugby as a as a new brand, um, which is how, how that's going to happen. We don't really know. It's all a little bit of smoke and mirrors at the moment. Stourbridge are currently a NAT2 team. So if people don't know what that is, that's uh, national two, so you have the championship, Nat one, Nat two. Okay. Yeah, exactly right. So um, obviously not not a championship standard club yet. Obviously, that would be I, I assume that would be a goal to bring them up to that level. Um, but again, we don't really know. Um, but the, I think the the grit of it is they have disbanded Worcester Warriors as a team and didn't apply for a championship um spot next season, which is going to be a huge. It's not the news that Worcester fans would have wanted to hear because essentially their club is no more. Um, there may be a, a rebrand of, of a different club that, that will try and fill the void, but I just don't think you're going to reconnect with that same fan group. Um, after all the stuff that they've sort of posted about um, bringing Worcester back, bringing them back stronger, getting rid of this toxic mentality around what the club was, I think this is absolutely the wrong way to go about trying to get them back. Um, apparently there was a late attempt to get them back into the championship um, but but that's obviously failed because they, they tried to do it more or less the night before, which just isn't going to work. So if, if you want to keep up to date with that, check us out on socials because we'll be sharing as much as we can. Um, but yeah, unfortunately, pretty sour view for, for Worcester fans there. 
Um, positive is Wasps fans are have got a place in the championship, as you said. So getting them back next season will be will be great stuff. Not at the top level, but um, but it's a start at least. And and depending on how much sort of money that's thrown in, what sort of squad they've got lined up to to compete with, um, yeah, hopefully it's not long until we see Wasps competing back on the top level again. But um, for for now, at least we're seeing them in a in a, a professional competition. So yeah, credit to to the people that have, have managed to get that one afloat. And yeah, cre- not credit to to the guys trying to. Worcester over basically, yeah. Um, but yes, happy news for Wasps fans. Uh, right, onto the uh, onto the Prem, onto the uh, Six Nations. Uh, we'll start in Ireland because I mean, it was the start and it was the best. Um, I think clearly the two best teams in the championship, uh, arguably two best teams in the world. I mean, I'm, I'm I don't, I it's. It's obviously controversial, but I don't think you can go far wrong. Well, statistically, they are the two best. Well, yeah, they are number one and number two in the world. What a game of rugby! Yeah, it was it was, it was an instant classic. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah, it was it was it was just what uh, you often find in these big ties that either team can be a little cagey, come away from their normal structure, sort of try not to concede points rather than go and score them. Absolutely not the case on this one. Both two sort of four-flow attacking teams, talent all over the park. Um, attacking structures were just sublime from both teams, helped with a lot of open field and, and broken play. Um, I think the ball was in play for 46 minutes, which is just an absurd amount of time. Um, I think the average is like 30 to 34 minutes or something like that. So the fact that it's 46 minutes ball in play time is huge. Um, yeah, let the boys play. They just absolutely went out and... and both teams went at hammer and tongue, and uh, yeah, I think Ireland just absolutely proved their worth at the top of the uh, top of the world rankings. And and to be honest, Ireland have got a lot of key names out, so this is just going to be absolute fuel to the fire of their confidence. Not playing with a full strength team, albeit a very very good team still, um, and still getting the results and still playing as as well as they they have been. So once you get to a point where your sort of cogs are turning perfectly, no matter the personnel you have in there. It just shows the quality and depth and what quality side they are. So yeah, I, th- I think um, Ireland are going to be a real threat for any team going forward. Yeah, and I think to be honest, it's a credit to France how good they are because I said it to my brother at one point um, towards the end of the first half, where I'm not quite sure what the halftime score was was nineteen sixteen something like that. Um, anyway, it was it was twenty two sixteen, so I was close, um, but it was fairly tight. And I was kind of, I spoke to my brother because we were watching it together and I was like, how are France really in this? Like, Ireland pretty much controlled everything, but France were very much in this game still. Um, and I think, yeah, they they kind of, in, in a certain way and at certain times, they played the way they wanted to play. They made it an expansive game. They tried to keep things going. You saw, obviously, d- 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 uh, Damien Pinot's try. Um, how they can attack from anywhere on the pitch. Uh, so, yeah, I thought France really deserved their credit. But, yeah, Ireland just looked that step above. Um, and as you said, without Furlong, without um, James Gibson-Parr, Tag Byrne went off injured as well. So, without three fairly big players. Then. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely that. So, um, yeah, I, I think 
going into the World Cup, I don't think there could have been a better prep for Ireland should they carry this on. I think you look at threats now for sort of for the remainder of the tournament. I don't think they're really going to run into too many issues. Probably Scotland are their biggest threat. Um, but again, they, they should be dispatching of, of Scotland, but obviously we'll cover that when we once we get there. Um yeah, just thoroughly impressed with with everything. Um, couple of dodgy refereeing decisions. Um, well, start... that's what I was about to say. James Lowe. Yeah, go with James Lowe to start with. Um, quite an interesting one to break down actually, because there's quite a, there's, there's a few moving parts, isn't there? Depends on depending. Was it a forward pass to him to start with? Honestly, I don't know. I, I wouldn't like to say because I haven't. I There's so much like, going on there. I haven't even seen the. Yeah, that's what I feel like. They've never actually checked the pass before because I'm pretty sure it was very flat, if not forward, the pass to him. Right. But um, yeah, obviously that didn't really get checked because they were looking at the grounding. Um, that was a great move. I, I'm just before we really get into the controversy, why James Lowe didn't just stop and just step inside Pano, I have no idea because. Uh, Pinot was flying across full pace and he would have just flew up past him uh, and Lowe would have been able to get an easy try. Or if he'd gone low onto the floor, um, he he probably would have slid in and it would have been very difficult to stop. But he decided to kind of slow down and acrobatically go to the corner. Now, from your view, should it be a try or should it have been disallowed? Well, so... That's a difficult question. I think his foot was in touch. Right. Albeit very, very marginally, I think his foot was in touch. Almost the toe of his boot, wasn't it? Literally, literally just. Um, obviously, the controversy around the camera angles, where there wasn't the camera angle from behind, which is more or less conclusive that his foot was in touch, until halftime when ITV just magically had it all of a sudden. Um, that's obviously a little bit suspect. Um, but... I don't think that is a legal tackle from Pernod. I think it's a shoulder charge in the air. So, if his foot was in touch, I think it should be a penalty try because he shoulder charged him. Well, I think that's what they would have come to the conclusion of had it been ruled he was in touch. I think then they would have looked, okay, is that now a legal tackle? And for me, again, as you said, there was it was just a shoulder charge. So, it would have been a penalty try, a yellow card to Pernod. So, in a way... France actually got away with one. Um, but, yeah, it, it was interesting. I think at the time, from what the ref goes off, it's very, very difficult. A, it looks like he kind of puts the ball down on the line, which is obviously out, I believe. Um, yeah. B, yeah, his foot. But from the angles they were looking at, I don't think there was any conclusive evidence that his foot did touch the grass. But, yeah, when you look at the... The back, the behind shot, which you got after, which has come out, well, not even after the game, midway through the game, you can clearly see his foot grazes the ground. Um, so, yeah, it shouldn't have been, but I do have sympathy. It was very, it's it, it's one of those where I think, I, I don't, I didn't hear what question, I think it was Wayne Barnes, asked, if he asked, like, try, is there any reason try. why I can't award this try, then it's hard to overturn. I think he gave it as an on-field try. Yeah, which is very it's very difficult to overturn that because it is their conclusive evidence against it. I'm not sure. Not from the angles you were shown. That's that's what I mean. And 
the ball going on the ground and on the floor uh, onto the line at the same time. It, yeah, it's it's difficult. I, I I feel a bit sorry that he made that decision, but um, to be honest, I don't think it really affected the game. If I'm honest, well, I, I mean, it probably does, right? Because you don't know what the well. In fact, it definitely does because it affects the mentality of the teams. It affects the way that Ireland sort of go about their business. To France push harder if they've got to try and then leave themselves more vulnerable? Do they, so they sort of more compact? So you, it's always tough to say, right? Because you're working with hypotheticals then. Yeah. I mean, it was just after, um, well, yeah, two minutes after France had just scored a try as well. So, um, yeah, it's a difficult one. Yeah. First. But the bigger controversial thing is uh, obviously Unai Antonio. Um, and for me, I don't know. There's not even a question in my head. This is a red card. He shot. He stood right up, just hits his shoulder right onto Rob Herring's chin, which, like, when you watch it, it's almost like he's been punched across the. You know, in the in the boxing when you get a slow mo of them being whacked across the face, and their whole like face moves. It was basically yeah. that, and then he absolutely flattened him. But I I believe they said um, because of force that it wasn't given as a red it was only a yellow so it was adjudged as not a high level of danger because of the force coming into the tackle which i don't understand when you flatten the guy shoulder right on his chin you see his face go flying how that can be anything but a red card yeah so counterpoint playing devil's advocate right could you argue that because Unitonio is just absolutely ginormous. That is just as almost like in the way, almost like in the sense of because he's hit him, because he's a big dude, right? So any anyone that's going to run into him, whether you hit him with your head or your stomach or your leg, yeah, you, there's going to be some sort of residual impact there where you, you're sort of flying forward. Is there a chance that he's actually hit him chest on chest or shoulder on shoulder? But because the force is just so big that you're running into. The head has then come forward slightly onto the shoulder. Yeah, but that doesn't matter because he should be hitting him lower. He Antonio was. Yeah, but then it's not direct head contact. Yeah, but it was. W was it definitely direct head contact? I so think I it think was. Cut. I think it was. And if you, if Antonio, you've got to lower your body height. That's what everyone's been saying. Was there any attempt for Antonio to lower his body height? No, he was. No, there wasn't. He was stood upright. And also, he's going forward, made a dominant hit, which is if they basically other referees have looked at it. If he, if Herring had just ran straight into him, and he'd stood still, then that I can understand the yellow. He has come forward and obviously makes a dominant shot on Herring, and for me, it's, it's clear. We did a poll on our Instagram. Don't follow us at Rogue Collective on Instagram. Um, when it got announced that he'd been cited, and uh, I think it was seventy-eight percent of people said it should have been a red, and he has since been given a three-week ban. So I think that's everything that you need to know. It, for me, it was clearly a red. Yeah, to be honest, I'm not. Uh, to, I think it is a red as well, but I just wanted to play devil's advocate to to sort. Of, no, sort of... I understand. I, I like to look at things from both perspectives, but. For some of the shots we've seen this season and last season that have been given red cards, I felt like this was much worse. Yeah. Yeah, can't argue. 
this wasn't like a stray arm or something that's taking his head off. He he fully and Herring dropped like a sack of spuds. Yeah, of course. I think anyone would, though. To be fair, you know. But Antonio, yeah, a large part of that was because Antonio was on top of him. Like, um, how big is he? he like, he's, isn't he like twenty-four stone or something crazy? He's massive. He is massive. I think he's like one hundred and forty-five. Also, Antonio is not the tallest either, so it's not like he can't get down. Do you know what I mean? He's not Who's one of Antonio? these. He's not like six foot seven. Is what I'm saying. He's six five, I think. He's not. I th- no, no, I think way. he is genuinely. One hundred ninety-six no, centimeters. That's six five. No, it's not. It is. I'm 196 centimetres. How is he a 6'5 in the front row? Exactly. He's 6'5 and 152 kgs, James. No, you're wrong. I'm telling you, this is this is his statistics. No, you're wrong. James, I don't know what to tell you, mate. Rugby, rugby pass has him as 197. Yeah. What? Kg? Got me. <laughs> he's a big boy. He's well, he's about six foot five and about one hundred and forty five to one hundred and fifty kilos, depending on where you uh where you get your information. Well, I get it from measuring him. Go on then. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go find him and measure him. This says he's six foot and a half inch. No, you're the wrong. I bloke. think you've got your measurements wrong. Six and a, no way. I'm very confused. On one thing, it says he's six foot and a half inch, and the other thing, it says he's six foot five and a half. I don't know. All of the things I'm looking at here, I said he's six foot five and a half. This thing, you said he's six foot ten. What's going on? He's seven. James, he's a seven foot prop and he's 35 stone. That's all you need right, to know. Okay. Right, okay. I take so my bend, bending down to tackle a lower opponent is a difficult task. So cut him some slack, all right? All right, okay. But he's a big guy. He hit him high. It should have been a red card. Wayne Barnes said, Jure, Jure, and then said, play. Well, I'm glad in a way it wasn't a red card because it made the game better. But um, it did for sure. Well, yeah. Well done to those teams. Although I still think the positioning of the games was wrong. They should have had the Scotland Wales game first because you can never tell that, can you? But no, but it was always going to be the best game. You'd like the best two teams of the tournament. Pretty sure going into the tournament, everyone knew Ireland France was going to be the best two teams. And I feel like the organisers, because it was very, when I was watching the France, Scot- uh, Scotland Wales, sorry, I was very much like, this is crap. And obviously it's international rugby, so it's not crap. But compared to what we had watched the game before, it was I was like, like a big step down, didn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I can't argue with you there, to be honest. It did. Like, but we're going to do a bit of a team of the week in a minute, aren't we? So yeah, I know. That's why I haven't picked out us. certain individuals and what they did in the game because we're going there to talk about them yeah. in the team of the week. Um, Absolutely. Anyway, on Scotland Wales, as we just said, a bit, a bit of a drab affair, really, especially the first half. Nothing really got going for either team first half, did it? No, but I think what you what you have to say altogether is this has always been Scotland's stumbling block. Even when we think they're going to go well this season, they're more positive, they've beaten England, all of this good stuff. They then give it all up by not performing well against Wales. This year they came out, they performed well, they got the win convincingly, albeit a weakened um, uh, Wales team. Well, you say weakened, but I don't think it was. Well, in terms of the, the way they're playing. They're, they're not a you don't look at that Welsh side. Oh, right, yeah, okay. Team, right? I was gonna say that's a big talking point before the game, wasn't it? He yeah. dropped, yeah, 
regardless yeah. of personnel as a team, they're not going well at the moment. Yeah, so. no, he dropped a lot of the experienced Alwyn Jones and Tipperick and Falatau for young. And I thought, to be honest, going into the game, I was a bit like, oh, I reckon Wales have a chance here. Why was I think I think if you look at individuals, the younger boys went better. Yeah, I thought David Jenkins was quite good. David Jenkins looked really good. I thought Christians went really well. Jack Morgan was was pretty busy himself. Rafael couldn't quite get into the game as much as he wanted, but still looked pretty promising. Um, I like Joe Hawkins at 12. Wouldn't mind seeing Mason Grady come in at 13 because um, he looks good. They've got Reece Samet to come back in. I suspect he might come in for Rio Dyer because Gatlin said he's fit um, fit now. Also, did you did you hear the conference where Gatlin was talking about Reece Samet? No. He just calls him Reese. Oh. The, 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 uh, the journalist asked him, he said, is Lewis Reese Zamet fit to, to come back in? And he said, yeah, I've been working with Reese this week and he's uh, available. Um, he should be available for, for the England game. So uh, Maybe he meant Reese Webb. Maybe you're confused. Maybe <laughs> so, but if so, I kind of hope he did, right? Because I don't like Reese, like as when referring to him, it just feels wrong. But, especially as it's a first name as well. Like, it just yeah. sounds like he's talking about someone different. It does. Um, sound but they got players to come back in. I thought the younger lads went pretty well. Yeah, but you say pretty well, but getting spanked. I think it was Scotland's yeah. biggest ever win against Wales. Yeah, it was. Um, yeah. And it, That's a it, was, thing it was really that last 20 minutes, wasn't it, where Scotland really ran away with it? Yeah, it was. Um, but yeah, Wales are bad. <laughs> Wales are bad. Yeah, they they they're not in a great spot, are they? And um, yeah, I'm trying to focus on positives. I thought Christianza put a lot of pressure on the Scottish lineup. If that's the big positive of the game, it's not ideal, is it? Really, yeah. as those <laughs> we words put some left... pressure on the lineup, lads. Well done, good game. <laughs> as, as those words left my mouth, I thought this is going to be a real positive for for the Welsh team. And then as it came out, I was a bit like. Yeah. Not as positive as yeah. it. Not, not great. In my head. Um, but, um, no, but the Scottish, the Scottish look good, um, fairly strong, uh, and yeah, I, I, as you said, they've had this stumbling block, and they just when it got to the French time of the game, they were just clinical and put Wales away. And with this sort of team, um, Wales weren't good last year. Obviously, they lost to Italy, uh, and. Scotland were awful in. I remember that game, and Scotland were awful in that game. Whereas I know, obviously, it helped they were at Murrayfield, but yeah, they just really were much more clinical, took points when they needed to, uh, and especially second half, yeah, just really turned turned the wick up on Scotland uh, on Wales, and they just couldn't cope with them. So I think, and I know we're going to talk about these players in a moment, but um, I think the good thing for Scotland is a lot of their key players went well. Um, I think Finn Russell went pretty well. Duan van der Merwe went pretty well. Um, didn't score a try though, did he? He did, didn't he? Um, yeah, I think he did go over for a try. I think that could be oh, incorrect. I thought, I thought he scored. No, he threw it back inside for Kinghorn, didn't he? I tell you what, he's bloody destructive though. Yeah, no, because um, I thought he had, but then I just looked at the thing and he didn't. Um, I had him in my fantasy team. He got me twenty-one points. He got a try assist. Yeah, yeah, he he, he kind of flipped it back inside for King Orr to go under uh, over. Yeah, so um, but yeah, key key players and key positions went well. Matt Ferguson went well. Schumann went pretty well as well. So the centre partnership looks like it's working well. 
it's just so good when you've got um, a partnership that works together at club level who yeah, are international standard coming in to, to think. I feel so sorry for Charis, though, because he's one of the best centres in the world, but because he's not into that attacking sort of partnership, he, he's not getting as much of a look in. But again, that's just testament to, to how good Scotland, Scotland's depth is becoming. So um, you, yeah. you've got to credit it. Um, Before we move on... Oh, sorry. Do you have anything else to finish on Scotland? Because I've got a sort of subtopic to go on to. Well, I was kind of going to go on to a little subtopic myself. Um, obviously, we're talking about Duan van der Merwe. I saw a, 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 or I think I heard it on a different podcast, actually. They were talking about Duan van der Merwe and George North. When they're both in their prime, if, you, if you're looking at a, a one-off game, say you're in a World Cup final, who are you picking, George North in his prime or Duan van der Merwe in his prime? George North. I think George North. Yeah. I think it's quite a tough, tough question. For me, George North's clear. Clear? Like, properly? Oh, like, not even close. Yeah. What he could do on both sides of of uh, the ball, to use an American uh, football expression, but his... Um, you don't really see Duan put any shots in, really, in defence. Um, like, when he's got the ball, he is really, really good, but uh, off the ball, he doesn't really offer as much, where, well, it's an iconic... Um, one where in the Lions, where George North runs with someone on it over his shoulder. Yeah, Israel Falau, wasn't it? Yeah, um, and stuff like that. Where so I think the physicality and that. Well, this was going to be my um, thing, but we'll get onto this in a minute. We'll finish this conversation first. But yeah, I think what it maybe it's a bit of nostalgia because what he brought through, but also I think his age. If you think the age we say about George North's prime, his prime was about twenty. Yeah, he did come through very early. He's very good as a as a youngster, wasn't he? Yeah, which is partially, I think, why he maybe is so injury prone now because he sort of the Michael Owen sort of effect playing so many games when you're that young means your body's more screwed when you get older. But um, yeah, he, yeah, I think he just offered a more complete game. If you forget how fast he used to be in his heyday because he hasn't got quite that pace anymore. But he was as fast as anyone. Um, with with a good size as well. He wasn't like yeah. small and quick. Right? Yeah. He probably wasn't quite as big as Duan, I don't think. But... Probably and also, Duan gets scared every two seconds by Hog on uh, TikTok. So... <laughs> <laughs> True. <laughs> is that minus points, is it? Yeah, that's minus points. He, he needs to, he, you surely at some point he's going to... Uh, <laughs> He's going to get uh, used to it. If you haven't seen this, basically Stuart Hogg, um, all round Scotland's training camps, just jumps out and films it and jumps out on Duan van der Merwe and finds it very funny. Um, very childish, but quite quite entertaining. Um, if you haven't seen it, you can look up Hogg on Instagram. I think it's on Instagram, but definitely on TikTok. Um, and yeah, you just think by now he's going to expect it, surely. But every single time he jumps out of his skin and it is is fairly entertaining. Yeah, it is quite funny. It is quite yeah. Funny. Um. Well, who would you go with? I honestly don't know. I've been sort of since I've heard this. That's I've not been... great for the pod. You yeah. brought the question. You don't even know the answer. I know. I know. I know. I'm just. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. It's a tough question because they are both class. Um. Interestingly, they are the same height. Yeah. Just the, um. It just is it me? I don't want to sound bad, George North. But North was not quite as muscular. He was a bit more. Not Podge, I don't want to say Podge, but it was that sort of big rather than where Duan just looks like he's like brick. He's just hard. See, 
Now, I think this is more unfair on George North's part, just because I do believe at some point in his life, Duane van der Merwe was chiselled by the gods. Yeah. Um, which obviously is an advantage. Um, if Thor himself come down and chiselled Duane van der Merwe for Gregor no, I think it, I think it was his mum. She had Acker and she was like, oh, she kind of like paid off... <laughs> Paid off, put all of her eggs into Duan rather than Aka. You're like, oh, you can do whatever. Make all the good genes into Duan, and it worked. Well, it's one definitely got blessed more than the other, didn't they? Yeah, poor Aka Vandermeer. Obviously, he's a player, but what yeah. is he like? Whereas Duan's like six foot four, six foot five. Well, Aka's, Aka's definitely not six foot five. No, but. You say that. Did you see lots. the video of them having a race on the beach? No, I didn't. Akka Van, they started on their stomachs and raced, and Akka absolutely dusted him. Well, yeah, so, but he's got—he hasn't got as far to go up. That's a fair. <laughs> that's a fair. has got to go up a long way. Um, while you think on this, I was going to raise the point of George North. It's a sad, and I think we could do a whole podcast just on George North. It's—it's it's kind of sad. He, I think, he had the potential to be an all-time great. Um, now, I still think he is probably a Welsh legend, but I think he has he had the potential to be an all-time, almost Jonah Lomu level of, yeah, that sort of calibre. And unfortunately, injuries and head knocks have just really derailed a career. And I'm still not convinced of him at 13. I'm not going to lie. I've barely seen him play that well at 13 once. I think it's just people know what he can do and they're trying to shoehorn him into a team and he hasn't quite got the gas anymore. And when you've got players like Reece Summit, like Josh Adams, um, obviously with Harpenny and Liam Williams might have to play on the wing. Uh, when you've got that calibre of player, you can't drop them. So you kind of have to move and you haven't maybe got as many strong centres. So you put him into 13. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just, I don't know if you agree with that or disagree. I just feel like it's it's kind of sad. And obviously, we say about head knocks. I f believe he's gone past the limit, and doctors have advised that he should retire. Um, George Turner got a yellow card in this game, which I do believe was a yellow card. And uh, North was very very low when he kind of Turner hit him with a swinging arm, shoulder, uh, tackle to the head. But it looked like North got knocked out again. Um, well. If, if I'm honest, obviously a big topic really altogether there. Um, but I think in terms of George North's legacy, there's no doubt he will go down as a Welsh legend because he was, as you say, he was remarkable from a, a very young age and he was very consistent for a lot of years outside of sort of injuries and head knocks, as you say. Um, did wonders with the Lions and all of that good stuff. So he is he is definitely up there in terms of sort of his legacy being made. Um I would not mind at all. And this is mainly because of Mason Grady, if I'm honest. And I don't know how much you've seen of Mason Grady, James. Not a um, lot. I can't lie. But he is, he looks exceptional from what I've seen. Um, very young lad still, um, 20 years old, coming up to, he's a month away from being 21, uh, plays for Cardiff, 13. He's, he's a 13. He's six I foot five. He's 13 years old. He's 13 years old. Even he, younger than North when he came through. <laughs> he's, I th but the thing is, right, I think he's he is perfect to be what North is trying to be converted into a 13. Does, does that make sense? Yeah. I think 
if you move, if you had a wing pair of George North and Zamet with Mason Grady coming into the 13 channel, I think that is a, is a nicer sort of pairing. I, I think last year, George North was exceptional as a 13. I think it's more the fact that because the Welsh team aren't going well this year at all, they're not getting any sort of attacking impetus, he can't do the stuff he's best at from 13. He can't sort of have those front foot attacking runs where he chooses whether he wants to to weave round a player, find a gap or, or hit a line hard. Um, so I think you put that experience into the back three and he's still got enough to be that winger. Um, Mason Grady is six foot five and 110 kgs. You put that outside of a ball playing 12 and you're in business really there, aren't you, With a as a Bosch player? He's got wheels and I think he's, he's raring to go for that shirt. We know now that Wales aren't, Wales aren't currently a favourite for the World Cup with their with their older guys, with their younger guys, with a combination of both. I think that they're, they're going to have longer odds than Italy at this rate. Quite, quite possibly, and, and probably you're back in Italy in that fixture. I'm pretty sure it's in Italy, right, as well? No, but I meant in the World Cup. Yeah, for sure, and that, that, I, I'm agreeing with you there. But I, Namibia, I think... Namibia might have better odds at this rate. Oh, come on now. Come on now. It depends. Is, is it Dave Viewers? Is he playing for Namibia? Is he is he making the uh, uh, oh, Zimbabwe, isn't it, Dave viewers? Yeah. Uh, never mind. Never mind. But yeah, as as you say, you look at Wales going to Italy, Italy are probably favourites for that game in the in the fifth round of this fourth round of this six nations. So um but yeah, I think you're at a point now where a mixture of the young lads and the old lads aren't going great. The old lads on their own aren't going great, the young lads on their own aren't going great. So I think if you're looking at this long term, holistically, why not put these younger boys in straight away? And then sort of build on that because this could be the perfect time to to sort of build well, yeah. those partnerships. Well, that's the point, isn't it? If you kind of know, right, we're not going to do anything at this World Cup anyway. Let's get a load of these young lads' World Cup experience, so that in four years' time, okay, obviously there'll be a lot more experience then, but they won't be new to a World Cup. They'll have been in that environment. They'll have been in a World Cup squad. They'll know sort of how that feels. So that then, yes, there'll be a lot more experience, but also they'll have had World Cup experience, which I think is different to the Six Nations or that sort of thing. Um, when you've got these camps, long camps away in different countries, uh, obviously not too far in France this year, but uh, next time is America, isn't it? So that's a lot of overall. Yeah. Or is that, is uh, that next World Cup? I don't know. Yeah, I think so. I believe so. Yeah, I think so. Um. But what what is your take on the all time great? Could he have been Dragon? Yeah, I for sure. I, I I agree. Yeah, I think he, he definitely is. I I didn't want to say like that and then be so outrageous that uh, he could have. But as as we uh, come to end this segment, Van der Merwe or North, you've got to pick. All this North chat's convinced me I'll go to North. Yeah, I think if anything, I mean it doesn't really count because you said on one day, but like what. I don't feel like Van der Merwe's almost done enough. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I do think it was kind of a bizarre... Since seeing him go as well as he has done, it's kind of a bizarre move to go to Worcester. Well, yeah, I always thought it was, but I'm assuming that he went for money rather than... Yeah, for sure. I, I think it raised a few questions on Worcester as well. You look at the financial situation they had going. Was by him to and Van der Merwe really the shout? Also, <laughs> yeah. A winger as well. When you've got all the problems you've got, why are you picking a winger? No offense. You're picking a winger to come in who's going to play sort of fifty percent of your games. I think, I think the thing with Duhan was that a lot of the time he he didn't really play as a winger. You look at the amount of sort of 
first phase balls where he was coming off the back of scrums and, and sitting on the back of a line out and things because just because he was such a sort of a fierce hard line runner, it, it made a bit of a difference, didn't it? Um, so yeah, I, I kind of see it from that perspective, but yeah, with all the things going on behind the scenes, it, it seemed a bit daft. But I think yeah. on the terms of a ex Worcester gain line runner, how well was Ollie? How well did Ollie Lawrence? How well was Ollie Lawrence? How well was Ollie Lawrence? He looked Ollie in Lawrence? great health. He, he looked seemed, pretty, seemed pretty well, to be fair. Well, friend of the pod, Ollie Lawrence. Friend <laughs> of the pod, Ollie Lawrence. Yeah. Um, I think we stirred him on to really. Ever since that moment, he's pushed on to the England squad, and yeah, I think it's us. I, think I would say his, his fortunes have turned since he's come on the pod, but since then Worcester have folded and he, he's had to battle to find a new club. But yeah, if but then he's that part out. But if he'd stayed at Worcester, arguably he wouldn't be in the England squad now. It's only because he had to then go to Bath and be Bath's best player and run the show for Bath that he got into the England squad and a bit of help from Dan Kelly and all, uh, Elliot Daly getting injured. But well, <laughs> doesn't matter about those two. Um, Ollie, if you're but, listening, which I'm sure you are, no problem. No problem, mate. No thanks. 50% of your cut from England games from now on. If you're... <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, yes, Ollie Lawrence. I think there's two players who lots of fans have been wanting to see in an England shirt for a long time. And I think they both really stood up and showed why they should. And I think they're undroppable now for the Welsh game. Um, one of them, as you said, Ollie Lawrence, carried hard all day, didn't necessarily make that many yards. I don't um, know. But, you made 81 yards, I think, from 12. No, I was gonna, oh, you didn't let me finish. Sorry, sorry. You started talking about friend of the pod, Ollie Lawrence, in a bad vein. Well, no, I wasn't. Bad, I wasn't. I know, but it sounded that way, so I got defensive. I, I'm sorry. All right. You, I was about finish. to say, but he allowed England to get front foot ball and quick ball, which allowed other players to flourish. And obviously, towards the end of the game, he did make that big break um, where he ran Tommy Allen over and then just threw the ball away. Uh, <laughs> unfortunately. Um <laughs> <laughs> Which was a bit unfortunate. It looked like he was going to score a worldy try and then was like, no, I don't want it. Uh, but, uh, yes, excellent game. And obviously the other player was, uh, for me, clear man of the match. Um, I think, I guess the only reason he wasn't man of the match because he went off in about the 55th minute. Uh, Jack Willis, who was unbelievable, won about two or three turnovers. Uh, tackle, he made like 20 tackles and he was only on the pitch 55 minutes. Um was everywhere, was a beast, really good at carrying the ball as well, obviously got his try, um, and obviously in a game where he, he did suffered his major injury against Italy. So, um, yeah, really well played Jack Willis. Apart from that, though, I know I was very positive on England last week. I'm a bit negative on England this week. Well, Max Malins as well. I thought yeah, Max no, was yeah, Max Malins played well, and the try that got disallowed... Uh, you can have a conversation. I personally don't think he would have made the tackle anyway, so it's a bit soft. You said you can understand why it was given, and it's also almost a dive as well because Lawrence barely touches him. But the try that wasn't given, which Malin set up, which I think Van Portfleet scored, was saucy. Uh, Malin's looked really good. But overall, I didn't think England were very impressive. I thought Italy, first half, looked back a couple of years, Italy, and really didn't turn up first half and let England control, didn't really attack, look, let England control where the game was being played and, and uh, yeah, were really passive in their defence. But then second half, they turned up, and when Italy decided they would turn up, they won the second half 14-12. So, yeah, 
I wasn't that impressed with England, I'm not going to lie. Well, I think what I was impressed with was Borthwick's sort of put his neck on the line to go away from the Farrell-Smith axis to, to start the game, which was good. Yeah. Um, had the sort of bollocks to drop Marcus Smith, which I don't think is any easy feat as a new England manager. You're, you're, you're bound to be sort of... You've you got to expect a little bit of smoke once you do that, right? Just because of the sort of cult following there is around Smith, and and you could argue rightly so. Um, but he dropped it. He, he changed it up. He brought Lawrence in as a 12. Um, and I think that aspect of the game and that aspect of the attack worked well. I think what they didn't do from there was attack quickly enough around that. So, yeah, can go wide enough. That's it. Yeah, once once Ollie sort of dented that space and brought two or three carriers in, I think that's your point where you need to be really quick at spreading that ball wide after that. And I, I think that's they didn't yeah. quite do that. I don't know whether you can look at James well. doing it. Um, I don't know if you could look at the breakdown maybe for not being sort of securing that ball quick enough, but it didn't quite flow as as well. I just I just felt we almost went bash and then we just tried another bash. Um, so whether that was Alex Genjeline or Alex Dombrand, where I think, yeah, as you said, uh, Lawrence had given us that front football, especially first half. And then, yeah, go wide. You've got the likes of Max Malins, you've got Ollie Hassel Collins, who I think will be taken out in a couple of week game uh, a couple of weeks because not has he been bad he I just don't think the system suits him and he hasn't really done anything um yeah, he's not made his mark yet has he I, I don't he think he's, he's had that I don't know whether it's a confidence thing or maybe just readjusting to a new system but he's not he's had sort of like half opportunities where if he's in a London Irish shirt he takes a stab at it and then sort of maybe 25 30 percent of the time he makes a break but I don't think he's he's been in those situations and he's either up for the boot or up to just sort of take contact. And he hasn't really... Yeah, he hasn't got... He hasn't been as adventurous like, as we've seen him for Irish, has he? He hasn't, yeah. No, well, he hasn't really got involved a, ho- a whole lot, to be honest, which is... Um, that's a bit, a bit disappointing. And as I said, as we were just saying, if you allowed the ball to go wider, quicker, as Irish quite often do you get the ball to the wingers in a bit more space, and that's where Ollie Hassel-Collins comes into his own. But what I don't understand is if you're going to play in a system that doesn't suit him, it's not like England don't have a uh, have a lack of wingers. Um, I don't think there's much point playing and persevering with a player just because they're good if they don't fit your system. Um, which you, is why... you. You'll carry on, Karen. I was going to say why partially. I think Smith is dropped for Farrell because I think Farrell and potentially George Ford well, obviously George Ford, are a better fit for the system we are going to play rather than Marcus Smith. Yeah, can't, I can't argue with that, to be honest. I can't argue with that at all. Um, um, what I will add was, if you were to pick any winger, not based on pure ability, but based on who you think would fit Borthwick's system perfectly, who would you go for? Uh, well, obviously... It'd be Caden Murley if I could pick anywhere. But um, it'd be between Anthony Watson, um, because obviously we like to kick and contest and contest the kicks, which Anthony Watson does excellently, very fast, great under the high ball, and got a decent nudge on him himself. And also, or, or Tommy Freeman. It'd be one of those two. See, mine, I fully, fully appreciate both of those. I think for me, I think Ollie Thorley needs to be in the conversation. I think yeah, you look I mean... at but purely purely system based, right? If that winger is going to be there as a as a kick chaser and a solid defender, probably as a, a bit of a blitz defender on the outside, 
I think Oli Thule is that's exactly what he's been doing perfectly for Gloucester this year. So I think he could be a very apt pick for it. But I also think that Anthony Watson is oh well, we said we said before the Six Nations started that I think personally that Anthony Watson is the most well rounded back three player in the league full stop at the moment in the in the premiership full stop. So I think he he's deserving of a, a spot as well. But I'm yeah. I've I'm quite happy to stick with Hassel Collins for the time being. I I don't think it'll be long before he gets that chance. And I also think if you keep um if you give um Evans a bit more sort of time with that uh, attacking uh, attacking structure, I don't think it'll be long before we see um maybe an, a Lawrence running that hard line at twelve, but then Hassel Collins playing a wrap round. So you you're using Lawrence as that dummy. Farrell throws it out the back to to Hassel Collins who hits a line off the back of that. Because he's a big That's, guy as well. Yeah, but the, the thing is, if you're using a wraparound, I don't think Hassel Collins is your ideal player either. I think if you're going to use a wraparound, you'll use Max Maylins. Because... Yeah, but this is the thing, right? So what I think what I think the difference is, I think Hassel Collins brings you a lot more grit and power as an actual hard line runner through the middle. So if you spread, if so, what I'm thinking is, if you wrap that round to to Maylins. He's then carrying on going around and playmaking, right? Which is great. And and Malins does that brilliantly. Obviously, his experience at 15 and 10 just adds to that. And that, that's why he's so good. But I think if you wrap that round to Hassel Collins, I think he's straightening up and hitting whatever line that is just off of Lawrence. So just as those two or three defenders have jumped into Lawrence, Hassel Collins is then taking advantage of that space that's just been left behind. And then you've got Malins on the other side. So you can play different wraps off there, depending on what you want to do from said move. Um, and I don't think any other current available winger brings that same threat as a, as a as a Bosch player as well as as a, a wraparound with speed. Yeah, I just don't. Yeah, it wouldn't work as well because if you're wrapping, you're too deep and wide, and the defense can get set a lot easier. So it's it's really hard to run that wraparound and be on a hard line because your your line's almost too arced. Um, so like you 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 just drift in permanently, which makes it much harder to be a a hard ball carrier on a, on a, on that wrap. Um, but sure. what what you could do is give it to Malin to then as uh, what you and then run Hassel Collins as a wider crash line off of Malin. Say Malin's came round and then gave a pop to uh, Hassel Collins, who's then on a hard line, and that would work. And almost you've got two crash lines. And also you've got Freddie Stewart there who can also take a crash line because he's massive. Um, yeah, that's that's actually true. If, you, if you're using anyone, you're probably using Stewart, right? Yeah, you'd have thought so. Especially after what he did to Tripoliotto or whatever he scored last week. Yeah, um, but yeah, as a as an overall game, again, um, we spoke about this just before the pod, but I think England's defensive structure came in. To, when Italy did start to attack in the second half, England's defensive structure came under into some criticism again, or just looked crap again. But um, I think partially that's because you look at the personnel we've taken off. Um, I don't think we looked anywhere near as good as soon as Jack Willis went off. Um, and also, I think when you look at uh, the way England play, it's quite narrow, which means players have to slide across and uh, you use that bit of pace. Now, that is first half of both games, we've looked fine when you've had uh, Sinclair and Genge uh, and Jamie George on, because they're, well, especially when Jamie George is uh, early in the game, really uh, can move around the pitch. Obviously, the other two are good mobile props, 
But then you change that. You bring Dan Cole and Mako Vunapola, a lot less mobile. See, then Jamie George is a lot more tired as well by this point. And suddenly, if you're asking them to go left to right, you get gaps around the outside because players can't drift as fast because their inside man isn't coming. Or, like, I think it was Fusco's try. Um, they're not covering back in time. And he went between Dan Cole and Vunapola. And so I just don't know that you can have the defence we play, the structure we're trying to play, these two immobile props playing at the same time because they just leave you too vulnerable with too much uh, either gaps right down the middle because they're being pulled one way or the other or allowing the team to go round the outside of you. Um, now, whether you could just switch that, maybe switch Dan Cole and Sinclair and Dan Cole's on to start, offer you a stronger stru scrummaging option and then and Sinclair can come off the bench uh, when they're a bit more tired, give you a bit more Bosch as well, um, which would help your attacking game. You're not taking off your, two of your best carriers in Sinclair and Genji at the same time. Um, and then bring him on a bit later, make, have more influence on the game. And obviously then his scrummaging won't come into question as much. Uh, whether that would be an option or whether you just bring in someone different than Mako Vunapola, who, let's be honest, no one really thinks should be in playing for England anyway. Um, yeah, I think that's what's frustrating, right? Is you, We've there's options there which can be those be sort of more mobile options not as mobile as Sinclair and Genjar but I, I don't think I think you'd struggle to find more mobile a more mobile pair of props probably in world rugby really I think if, you, if you're looking at it they're both as a as a starting two probably yeah yeah so um yeah I, I think it's it's tough to match that right but we've got players available you look at a rod and a, a Val Rapava Ruskin on the one side uh, Will Stewart probably on the other. You, you've got players there and available that that can go in, but aren't there yeah. yet? So that, I think that's the frustrating side of it. But no, I fully agree. With you on that it's one. also weird with like where where obviously Jack Willis went off early, well fairly early, and then uh, Ben Earl comes on, but then you take off Don Brandt for Ezekwe. It's just weird, weird things like that where I just don't understand. I think the aim is to solidify. With sort of more no, like, just, quote unquote solid players, right? You just but end up with a, it works. you just end up with an unbalanced back row. Like I thought, England's back row with Ludlam, a true six. It's amazing. You put a true six, a true seven, and a true eight together, and they look really balanced. You start messing around with that. Um, whether you put Ludlam, I think Ludlam was packing down at eight. Uh, ben Earl was eight. I don't think either of them thrive in that position. Yeah, um, no, I agree. They're better as a secondary carrier in that background. Yeah, and especially if you're then asking either Atoja or uh, Ezekwe to play at six, which isn't their true position either. I think you've got a really unbalanced back row. Whether that means you have to look at who's starting or who's on the bench, I think I think you do. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think you're right. That's the only thing I haven't been massively impressed with from Borthwick yet. I think the defence will sort itself out and will we'll get stronger over time. But I think the actual substitutions are a little bit problematic. Um, yeah, it's timing of them as well. Jack Willis was unbelievable for us, whether he wasn't fully fit or something. So he had to, but you wouldn't have thought he would have come off through choice that early. Yeah, agreed. Um, and just quickly before we move on, uh, Italy, yeah, as I said, really poor first half. You can't give up 19 points, didn't really offer a blow in the first half. No, I agree. And I think it is but credit to... You can't, right? even with this new Italy, they're not going to come back from... Yeah. But yeah, they're I, not I going to come back... Oh, you carry... sorry? You, you carry on. Yeah, they're, you not... Carry... they're not going to come back from 19 points down against... Well, maybe Wales, but any other Six Nations team, they're not coming back from 19-point deficit, are they? 
no. And I think one thing you've got to, you've got to say with Italy is we're criticizing them now because we know they've got quality. So we say they they were poor in that first half because we know they can be a lot better now. So if they're if these performances aren't coming in straight away, well, if these performances aren't coming in full stop, right? We know Italy with the personnel they've got, they've proved they can be a, a strong contender in these matches. Um, they they push France right to the wire. So they need to, if they want to be considered this top nation, are you going to have ups and downs on this sort of um, route to, to that area? You need to start putting in consistent performances. So it, it'd be interesting to see how they bounce back in, in terms of general performance next game. But I think they've got Ireland at home, right? I think. Um, yeah, potentially. But also I think um, it shows as well that the France game, obviously France didn't play as well as they did against Ireland. But the France game isn't a fluke. This Italy team, especially from that second half against England, um, yeah, they have got uh, Ireland at home. Um, but yeah, this France, this Italy team is a proper team, and you have to play well to beat them, um, because otherwise they they are going to cause some upsets. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. I completely agree. Um, I think just to sort of earmark it outside, be a bit more positive. I think. Um, Jake Pelledri's return was great to see. Um, obviously, had a torrid two years, uh, a lot of personal issues, losing a, a family member, his brother, um, and also his injury, which has spun spanned over probably two, two, two and a bit years. Um, obviously, did everything that you can do in your leg in terms of uh, an injury. So great to see him back and on the field, and, and it was a decent shift from until he went back off injured again. So hopefully, it's not too. Serious this uh this new injury, but um yeah, great to see him back back on that international arena again. Yeah, and especially with Lamoureux going down injured as well, not yes. ideal. Didn't Canoni go for the knock as well? Yes, I believe he might have done. So, so not ideal. Right. Although Negri looked brilliant, and that what shot on uh, Genge, oh, that shot on Genge, and then the shot on Farrell a couple of minutes after. Yeah, but I think the thing for Genge was more. Because obviously Genji was trying to make a tackle on him, and just Negri was just like, "Nope, not today." Yeah, and he didn't have any momentum either. He was still, no. still more or less, and he just Genji was flying at him, and he just went bang, sit down, and he managed yeah, to cut Carl Sinclair's face up at the same time. So, yeah, it absolutely monstered him. To be fair, well, that was to be fair, that was Genji's boot, but I I think that's Negri's doing. So he managed to take yeah. out both England props at the same time. Fair play to that man. Collateral damage. Right, we're going to do a team of the week again. Bit more quickly than last week, probably, but um, we enjoyed it last week. I'm going to do it again. Yeah, um, just a quick one on that. Actually, let us know what you think of the the podcast times because last week was a lot bigger of an episode. So yeah, let let us know if you you prefer this episode. To, they actually episode. kind of liked it. Pardon? And there's a couple of people I spoke to. They actually didn't mind it. Um, some people like yeah. a longer podcast because then it's more they can listen to it in sections and have something to listen to throughout a couple of days. Some people like a one, one hour sort of, bang bosh, we're done. So do let us know. Yeah. Um, number one, loose head yeah. prop. So before we go through all of this, right? We kind of said, didn't we, beforehand? And we don't know each other's teams, which is important to know. Um, yes. but we kind of said there was less standout players this week. I think in the first round there were two or three players almost per position that went really well. Um, yes. Over this year there was, I think, the back line more or less picks itself. Um, but a little bit tougher to pick the pack, I well, think, this week. Yeah, well, I think you look at it, England didn't actually... A few players stood out for England, but generally England didn't play that well. 
Italy were fairly poor. Wales were poor. Scotland did okay, but again, against a poor opposition, it's kind of hard to tell exactly how well how well Scotland. Yeah, yeah, Uh, and obviously Ireland, France. Again, Ireland, you've got lots of players, and France, you've got a few. But it's like again, how many players can we put in a team of the week for a team that lost? Not many. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Having said that, my first prop is Cyril Bay. I thought he had a great game. (laughs) Yeah, he did go pretty well actually. I I went for Porter. but uh, yeah, yeah, I think both went really well. Um, yeah, I don't have. I was there many. I don't feel like there was many scrums. Like nobody had a big scrum advantage, did they? Really? Not particularly. I think there was only like four scrums in the game or something I was like that. Say, right? There wasn't. There wasn't many scrums, so it's it's a difficult one to to. Um, uh, the only thing I thought is, didn't Cyril Bay held up two tries, maybe three? Quite possibly. I'm I'm happy to put him in because I don't feel particularly passionate about yeah, about well, them, He definitely held up two tries, and it may have been three. And for me, I'm like fair fair play. That's that's a good shift. Yeah, I did think shout out again to Fischetti because I thought he went really well again. Um, uh, yeah. Not also, week, we'll, we'll say well. this week, if you made it into the first team of the week, it is slightly harder to make it into the second because we don't want to just name the same team every week because that'd be a bit boring. Yeah, expectations go up as well then, right? Yeah, exactly. Hooker, um, nobody really shone at Hooker for me. But right. um, although he knocked out George North and got a yellow card for it, I'm going to go for George Turner. I thought, again, he really stood out. Yeah, I thought he was really good. Um, sort of burst onto the scene, hasn't he, really? Um, yeah. Well, he's been in, our team of the, the park. been in our team of the week two weeks in a row, so he must be doing something, right? Yeah, I enjoy I enjoy watching him play because I think he is awesome. Yeah, no other hooker really shone too much. Obviously, Herring got knocked out fairly early. Um, Marshawn went okay, but not amazingly. So, <coughs> yeah. Uh, three. I went for maybe an outside shout. Um, but I went for Riccioni. Um, obviously, scored a great try against England. Uh, went while at scrum time. Um, like the Italian scrum at some points had England going backwards at a rate of knots. Um, and I just thought I was very thoroughly impressed. Yeah, I, I really like Richie. I think he's great. Um, probably one of the most underrated players sort of in the tournament, I think, because he, he really is that good. Um, but I, I've gone for Finley Bielham. Yeah, um, I thought about I that. Almost purely for his pass for that one try where he dummies the one way, stands still, and then flicks it back inside. That was beautifully executed. Um, so, yeah, I'm pretty... Uh, pretty. I, I think if I'm to force anyone, I'd like to put Finley Bielan in there, to be honest. Yeah, well, a large reason I didn't go for Bielan was because I went for him last week, and I kind of forced him into the team last week. Um, yeah, I think that's uh, fair. But, yeah, we'll go I for Bielan. Why not? We won't have yeah, I do like an Italian prop going in there too, but there we go. We'll, we'll go for... Uh, unfortunately, you campaigned against them this week. Um, number four. Uh, I actually think we might have the same second rows um, because, again, um, obviously Tag Byrne went down injured. The French locks didn't really shine. Uh, nobody from Wales shined or shone. Um, nope. Um, well, England... actually, no, I disagree. I disagree. I think there was one player who I've put in which um, which well, did shine. Put David Jenkins in. David. Is it David or Daffid? 
Daffid. 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 We'll just call him Big Jenkins. Daffid. Daffid. Mr. Jenkins. Big um, Yeah. Uh, he went well. But um, England, again, Chesham wasn't as good, I didn't think, as he was against Scotland. I still think he went pretty well, but again... Yeah, no, but I, I don't think he not as well, yeah. Good. Um, so I've gone for Richie Gray from Scotland, and yep. I've gone for James Ryan from Ireland, who obviously we had in last week, but just just is good, isn't he? Just good. Yeah, I'm happy to go with your two, because I think as good as um, Jenkins was, I think... Gray was more influential in a winning team, so let's go for. Yeah, it's hard for to make a case for anyone when you lose thirty-five-seven, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is because they didn't really get off the hold. It, it was more of a shining light, right? In a in a yeah. side than a, a a particularly dominant performance. But at only nineteen years old, I think he's got a huge career ahead of him. And captain in Exeter already is a um is is a great positive, isn't it? I'm not sure you're going to let me have my six, but um. I really liked him, and I thought he was the one. Even in the first half, he played well. When maybe the rest of the team didn't, I thought Negri was really good. Yeah, mate, Negri's my six. Oh, okay. There we go. Well, that's easy then. Yeah, Negri's my six. I thought he was awesome it, yeah. in every facet. Negri was very, very strong carrier. Tackled everything. Um, quite good in the uh, breakdown as well. He's he is a very good player, and. Um, yeah, with Canone and Lamoro, it's actually funny you made such a thing of Lamoro because we've had Canone and we've had ne- Negri and we haven't had <laughs> Lamoro. He can't get in, so um, sure, curse you've cursed Lamoro. Yeah, bless him. He'll he'll come through. He'll come through. Well, he might be injured for the rest of the tournament now. Who knows? Nah, he'll um, be fine, I believe. Number seven again. I think it picks itself. Uh, Jack Willis for me was unbelievable, unplayable. <laughs> Yeah, I'm the same. I'm the same. He, he was awesome. It, it, his breakdown threat alone is just so well, sort of impactful. I believe when we did that uh, choosing of the players from the squad with uh, Matt a few weeks ago, I said I would have Jack Willis in my team because every game he guarantees you at least two to three turnovers. And, oh, they put him in the team and he gets two. I think Balfwick was listening, is what I'm saying. He's got to be a listener, right? He's got to be a listener. And... You're welcome, Steve. Um, Steve Borthwick, if you're listening, let us he know. Listened, he listened to the pod and thought, oh, I'm better let, look at this guy's highlights. Looked him up, thought, oh, he's decent. Put him in the squad. Sorry, Ben Curry, you're out. Um, <laughs> oh, so you thought he listened to the pod and thought, Jack Willis, who's that? Yeah, like he did. Him. He had to go oh, and Google him. I'll, I'll Google this, lad. What's highlights? At eight, I've got, uh, again... Pretty much a standout. Um, I've got Doris. Yeah, I've gone the same. Gone Doris as well. I the thing is, I don't know how I feel about Doris just because his name. I love Doris. Uh, we yeah, had no, this conversation last week. I think I think his name adds to it. Yeah, uh, yeah, we literally did have this conversation last week. Um, uh, France. Yeah, no one else really stood out. I thought Don Brown was slightly better this week, but especially in the first half when Italy were quite passive. And lots of people really don't like Don Brand, so I'm going to stay away from that because I am a man of the people, and the people will love me. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I, I think I think Canoni was good when he was on, but not less wasn't effective. as yeah effective yeah. as last week. So, um, I'm surprised you didn't back against my man of the people speech. Um, what do you mean? Well, when I said I'm a man of the people. Well, I guess you probably are, James. A lot, a lot yeah. of the, uh, you do get um a few 
when we do the polls and stuff, you do tend to win. We didn't well, put out the poll of who is the better, just the better person in general, though. Well, I am right, and that is when you're right, you're just right. So, like, people just follow you and listen to you. No so one got, likes her. No, I've got no ball one knowledge. I've got ball knowledge. Well, is what I'm trying to say. No Nine. One off. You've just lost Sorry. a few fans there. Oh, oh well. I'll get in the back with my ball knowledge. Nine is easy. Like we said about it last week, he can't get in because he didn't play that well. He played well, but not well enough. And um, I'm not even letting you have a choice here. It's Dupont. That tackle alone on was it Mackhanson? I think it was on Mackhanson. Yeah. Where he just holds him and is like, "No, you're not scoring." It looks like Mackhanson isn't even trying. And the amount of strength that takes just to hold him there is unreal. Um, have you ever seen? You ever seen like those puppies that when they're puppies they're kept in like a playpen, but they like try and get out, so the owner just picks it up for a second, so it chills out. That's yeah. what it looked like when Dupont just held Matt Hansen, just just kept him there for the time being. Yeah. I, I also went Dupont because he was. We as as you said, we said last week because our expectations of Dupont are so high, we. To put him in a team of the week, he needs to be exceptional. And I think this weekend he was exceptional. So, yeah, he's he nine for me too. He, he, he was. Um, and especially when nobody else is nine, really, Sean. Uh, no. Yeah, but no, no one really went too well, did they? Although it, Italy's uh, backup nine played well, I thought. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. Stretch straight away. Yeah, he offered a bit more va-va-boom. Uh, <laughs> I don't True. know why I said that, but I've gone with it. Uh, ten, again... It's very similar to Dupont. Um, lots of people had them in the team of the week last week. I didn't think he was that good last week. This week, different story. Finn Russell for me, easy. Yeah, again, again, same. Again, um, same. Yeah, um, easy. He was class. Um, just dictated everything, didn't he? Every, yeah. Everything good went through him, and he just. How the hell do you spell Russell? How do you spell Russell? Yeah, is it double S or double L or both? I think it's both, isn't it? I don't know, I wrote it down, it doesn't look right, but maybe it is. I don't um, want to explain yeah, my yeah. bad spelling on the internet. Dictated play, really ran the game. Like I know people say he did against England, but I felt like this was different, really unlocked um, Wales, and I thought, see, this is what I mean. When I said last week I didn't want to put, it, put him in because we have expectations, like, this is a performance, you, like, you put him in. Um, also, I was close to putting Johnny Sexton in, just for that run, what was it, 30 metres, where he got his skates on, he was off down the wing. Oh, I love that. Mate, how how was he so quick? He was off. Game rolling game. back the years. Oh, pumping his legs up. Getting his arm. I thought he was in for a try at one point. I thought, he, oh, he's he scoring an 80-metre try, Johnny Sexton. He just, but, yeah, um, he just gained speed all of a sudden. He just went for it. He did it again. He did it earlier in the first half. Uh, earlier in the half. when he, I think it was uh, went for the corner or something. And, yeah, I, I was tempted just for that 30-metre line break. He, just, he was off. <laughs> Why he was the player on the receiving end of the 20-metre pass, I don't know, but <laughs> fair play. He certainly worked at the time. Yeah, he was off. Um, but no, unfortunately, Finn Russell does get it. Uh, 12, uh, we spoke about him already. I think Ollie, I'm just going through this back line like we both suggested, selected the same players, but I don't actually know. Ollie Lawrence, yes? Yeah, Ollie Lawrence at 12. Yeah, it's not hard. He was just bash, crang, wallop. I don't know bash, what crang, crang wallop. Yeah, I don't know what Krang is, but Brash, Brash, Krang, Wallop. Yeah. Um, looks really, really good. 13, this might be maybe different, but I've gone for Gary Ringrose again. <laughs> yeah, I've also gone for Gary Ringrose. Yeah. 
scored a great try. I don't know how he scored his try, really. He just had a player on him or like a player around him. And he was just like, nope, get off me. I'm scoring. Yeah. Again, um, he, he was so good. Really glad I took him out of my fantasy team as well. Yeah, ideal. Uh, and he's made... Will, he made our team of the week last week and he's made our team of the week this, this week and you took him out of the fantasy team. That's just you being stupid. Yeah, well, so be it. I thought he would have had a bigger competition with um, Fiku in that 13 channel. So he might not have had as much successful joy as he would have won, especially in an attacking sense. Um, but clearly, what do I know? Yeah, it was very open that game, wasn't it? Very, very open. Um yeah. The wingers we might disagree on, okay. but I've gone James Lowe. At, who have I gone for? James Lowe and Damien Pinot. Oh, that okay. So I went for Duan van der Merwe and Pinot. Um, Didn't score. No, but I think he was just he was just very impactful, wasn't he, in the stuff he did? Um, and yeah, I think I don't good. think they get. Um, I don't think they get as much attacking sort of freedom if they don't have Duhan sort of leading a lot of those attacks with that go forward. But Stain, Stein, however you want to say his name, scored two tries. Scored two tries, yeah. We probably should be talking about Stain in here because he, he was... Yeah, but then, to be fair, his tries were very simple. They were walk, literally walking tries, weren't they? So, But yeah. all the same, you've got to be there. And he was his positioning was very good. And he, he did well to... Uh, Where to should he have been? South Africa. No, sorry. Um... <laughs> uh, um, yeah, I won't let James Lowe not be in this team. No, that's fine. We'll go. We'll go for James Lowe and and uh, Pano. Damien Pano. It rhymes. It's lovely. James Lowe, Damien Pano. Our top try scorers of the tournament. I mean, one's got two. One's got one. I mean, who's got two? Uh, is it the one I suggested? Yes, it is. Uh, sorry. Um, no, no one likes a try, James. Long, long fair, time, no, I was going to say Pano's try was better. Lowe's try was more spectacular. But it also shouldn't have stood, so... Yeah, and Pinot's was... Yeah, Pinot's was a better team try, wasn't it? Yeah, mate. Pinot's try was awesome. How he ran away from Mac Hansen like that as well. Mac Hansen, what are you doing? He's almost untackleable, Pinot. Apparently, he's got, like, the best, like, tackle evasion stats. I thought you meant... I thought you said... No, I'm not even going to say what I thought you said. No? I thought you said tackle evasions. I was like, oh. well, you tackle every Asian. I don't know. I've not witnessed it yet. <laughs> That's why I was very confused. He's great yeah. against the Japanese. Um, yeah, apparently so. No, he, he was he was very good. And he just he just seems to he has a great sort of evasion in terms of agility, but he also has a great evasion just to power through tackles. So he is Although, uh, his other winger, uh Dumontier, might actually have better evasion. Because his footwork, he's electric. He he reminds me of um, Radwan. Is what it, it's the closest thing I can kind of where yeah. he's in and out, gone. Uh, he steps all the way around you, and you you blink, and he's gone. Um, he looks really dangerous. And if I think if they get him going and give him a bit more space in some games in the future, he's going to be a real, real menace. Yeah, agreed. I think um, also when you see players come through, right. Sometimes you look and you think they look great. If they can sort of sharpen up their all-round game, they'll be really good. But he looks so polished as well, doesn't he? It is like decision making, is his fundamentals, everything is just spot on. So I think he's got a big career ahead of him, only 22 years old. Yeah, he looks like Mr. Sheen himself. Um no Mr. Mr. you said polished. Mr. Sheen. Ah, uh, very good. Yeah, yeah, there very we good. go. See, I'm here. I'm here all week. Very good. Um, That's very good. 15. Keenan? Yeah. Yeah. Has to be. 
Last weekend. Did I say last week he was the best 15 in the world? I think I did. I, I think said, he said he's got to be in the conversation at least. Yeah, and I think he's proven it again. Unbelievable in every aspect of the game. Um, anyone saying Freddie Stewart's the best 15 in the fullback before? I'm not not aiming this at you like you said it, but it, I realised it sounded like I was coming at you then. Um, but I did say it though. I did say it to be fair. Did you? Um, yeah, yeah. I actually didn't know that. But yeah, Freddie Stewart has been put to shame because I think he's had two subpar, maybe av- very, or very average at least performances where Keenan's lighting it up looking really dangerous, looking very solid defensively. What a boy. Yeah, no, he's class. He is um he is class. His, his sort of positioning and knowledge is spot on, isn't it? I think he just knows where to be, where to cover, and it, it makes it incredibly hard to attack against. But then he's also phenomenal in an attacking sense. So he's a nightmare to defend yeah. as well. Great under the high ball as well, for which I think is actually harder because Obviously, uh, Stewart is six foot five or whatever he is, so it is easier for him to be good under high ball because he's already up there. He doesn't really have to jump. Whereas yeah, he's, uh, he's built more as a high ball player, right? Yeah. Whereas obviously Keenan's much um, smaller, so yeah, for him to have the aerial prowess he does is even more impressive, I find. Yeah. But exactly. that is our team. We might release it on our socials. We didn't last week, but we might do maybe if we're feeling. Fruity, if we all can be bothered, really. Um, but sorry, I didn't want to throw you under the bus like that. Nope. But Too that is the end of our Six Nations segment. Um, and obviously, there's no Six Nations rugby this week. We, we were 100% though on our predictions. Um, so we go on to predictions of the Premiership, where I'm sure we'll also be 100% because we're just that clever. Something like that. Like that. Something like that. Hopefully. Um, yeah, on to our. Rugby predictions. I haven't seen them at all, the fixtures uh, for this weekend till now. And I don't know if you have, but we'll go fire straight into it. Bristol Bears on Friday night are playing Newcastle at 7.45. So I don't believe they'll play their English players, which right. tells me that I think Falcons are going to do a job. I think they're going to fire some shots at this Bristol side. Um, I think Falcons were in a pretty good spot. I don't think Bristol have played in a while, so I, I think I'm going to go Falcons. It's hard because Newcastle were in pretty good form, um, but they haven't played a game of rugby since the seventh of January. Newcastle, because yeah, their game at the end, of, right. yeah, the game at the end of January was uh, uh, about their bye week, the the game week at the end of January. So they haven't played in the Premiership since. The 7th of January. Yeah, I think they played a couple of European games. But still, so it's very hard to say if a team is... I don't think you can really be in form if you haven't played for over a month. Um, so it's, it's difficult to kind of gauge where these teams are going to be at. Uh, I'm going to go Bristol purely on the fact it's a long old way down to Newcastle. It's a long old way down from Newcastle. And I'm going to go for home teams more because home teams matter more. Yeah, but I, I don't think that's uh, an out there comment. I think Bristol will be going in as favourites, right? So I'd imagine so. But yeah, it, it, and also, yeah, it's so hard to judge, as I just said, the form because who knows? Um, it could go either way. And also, we're not 100% sure. We, we yeah, They won't have their England players, but I don't know if they have any of their internationals, none of their internationals. Um, yeah, I'm not too sure. Uh, also on Friday night, why have they got two Friday night games? What's the point of that? Uh, 
It's a BT Sport game. It's Gloucester are hosting Quinns. Um, who have you got for that? So I'm going to go for Gloucester. Not played at home for a while, so it will be a big turnout, I expect. Um, Rumour has it that the back three is going to be Carrera, Zamit and Thorley, which is obviously incredibly exciting as a, a back three that we haven't seen nearly enough. Um, the, the, the pack's pretty much unaffected by um, injuries and international misses. Chris Harris is rumoured to be in line to come back and play. Um, Quinn's obviously missing quite a core of their squad with Don Brown, um, Tommaso Allen and Marcus Smith missing um, and likely not to be included. So I think I'm going to go Gloucester at home. You also say Gloucester are not injury. They've got no hookers because all of their hookers are injured. Um, oh yeah, I just kind of forget about that. Yeah, obviously academy yeah. hookers. Yeah. In. All three of their hookers are injured. Um, I'm going to go for Gloucester as well. Yeah, I think Kingsham get behind them. As you said, it's a good time to play Quins during the Six Nations. Um, if you do go off form, they haven't been in great form recently. They have lost, I think, the last four in the league. Um, and it's big. It's a big game though because either team, obviously, they were looking kind of like they wanted to pull away third and fourth in the league, and then their their form's kind of dropped and they've dropped down the league. So it's a big game to try and get the season back on track. But yeah, I think Gloucester. Um, now Saturday, Bath, London Irish at the Rec. Give me uh, no Ollie Lawrence though as well. Um, is Cam Redpath still with Scotland? Probably. I don't know. Um, give me Bath. Give me Bath. Fairs. I'm going to go for London Irish. Uh, I don't. I mean, they who do they lose? Ben White. Uh, Hassel Collins. Hassel Collins. So not too many. They've got Van Rensburg still, uh, and I think. Arundel, yeah, but he's been injured recently, so they've had to play without him anyway. Um, I think Ollie Lawrence is just the biggest. If you take all the losses, I think Ollie Lawrence for Bath is the biggest loss. Yeah, um, he's fundamental, isn't he? Yeah, he's since they've been there, he's been their star man. So I think that's a big loss. Um, so yeah, I'll go for Irish. Yeah. Um, then Saints are playing Sharks. I'm gonna go Saints. Sharks. I think Tuolangi is in line to play. And I think he is going to be in. He's going to be properly keen to put on a show and prove to Borthwick why he should be in that England side. So I think it's going to be a sale win, and I also think it's going to be a man of two laggy man of the match performance. Well, yeah. Also, Northampton lose their captain. I think Redlam's their captain, isn't he? Um, I believe so. Yeah. Potentially Dave Ribbons. I don't know if he's in the England squad or not, but um, they'll have lost a few. Sale. Sale. Sorry? Oh, and Alex Mitchell? Yeah, I think he's been released back as well. Oh, right. Which is weird, because he started last week. Oh, he was on the bench last week. Um, But anyway, Sale um, are going really well this season. And you say about someone having a point to prove for England, George Ford could be in the conversation to start. Obviously, yeah. harsh on Bobby Breeze, yeah. but can you really not start George Ford if he's fit? Um. But George Ford and also maybe Rafi Quirk, he's he's back and around the squad. So um obviously very harsh on Gus War, but could you see um a Rafi Quirk, George Ford, Manu Tulangi combo, potentially? Yeah. So that's very exciting. And and yes, Northampton have been very shaky this season and Sale have just been very consistent. So I'm going for Sale. Um and then final game on Sunday. Oh, it's a banger. It's Leicester versus Saris. 
at Welford Road. Hmm. Sarri's obviously missing a few. Uh, give me Tigers. Give you Tigers. Hopefully Pollard will be fit, I'd imagine. Um, it's a difficult, difficult place to go, isn't it? Uh, Welford Road. And what was Irish... Uh, Sarri's only just beat a struggle in Bristol at the end of January with a lot their of their... Shagged. What? Their, their side gets properly like ripped yeah. up from the... Yeah, when they, they lost a lot of... That was... They struggled against Bristol because they had like Manu Vunapolo, I think, playing 10 and they were missing quite a few players. So, yeah, I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to go for Leicester. Yeah, I think that's a... That'll be a good game, though, for sure. Yeah, great game. Um, Maybe not as good as last season because obviously Leicester aren't quite the side they were last year, but still good game. So that was me and... Uh, we were actually split. I was going for Bristol, you went for Newcastle. We both went for Gloucester to beat Quinns. Uh, you chose Bath and I chose London Irish. We both went for Sales to beat Northampton and we both went for Leicester to beat Sarries, which now I've said that, that's shock because I think Sarries only lost one game all season. So... Yeah, but they haven't been playing with this squad, have they? Which Yeah, is... that is true. But then they've still got like Theo McFarlane and uh, McFarland. What? I think McFarlane's out for the rest of the season. Oh, well, I didn't see that. So they don't have him. So maybe they were... Okay, now they've lost McFarland, I'm a lot less, a lot more confident in Leicester. Come on, you Tigers. Right. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> that's, but no, that's a pretty good predictions, I think. It's going to be... Uh, as I said at the start of the podcast, I think I'm... It's kind of sad to say, but I'm kind of excited for this Six Nations break so we can get back to the Premiership because it feels like a void from my, my life, James, not having the Premiership in there. So... Oh, I feel you. I Glad feel. to be back, at least. But um, well, you get all these plastic fans just swallow for the Six Nations. So no, sorry, joking. <laughs> um, be quite half of those plastic fans are listening right now, trying to get into the game. Oh, that's not very nice. You just called our, our listeners plastic. No, but um, there was there's been a little bit of a flux in listeners over the last couple of weeks. So if well, you keep are listening, tell your mum, your nan, your auntie. I don't know why they're all female. Your uncle, your sister, your brother, your cousin, everyone to listen because we tell, tell the whole gang. But there's plenty of rugby to get involved with. If you enjoyed the Six Nations, then you will definitely enjoy club rugby as well. So if you haven't got down to your local club, and if you can't get down to your local club, uh, all the games will be on BT Sport or PR TV. So tune into as many as you can, show some support for the game, and enjoy this weekend of rugby. See you guys on the next one. Bye-bye. 